Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Playoff Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined by J.J. Cooper. Hello. A lot of catch up uh, for over the weekend from J.J., some great games. I want to start with Braves-Dodgers. I think we all agreed this was the series that was probably going to be closest slash most exciting. It didn't look that way. I'll when say the Dodgers... Yankees-Red Sox is right there with that. So. It is, it is. NL1, which we now know. I mean, it's a very easy competition to be the most compelling NL, competitive NL series. Well, for a while it didn't look that way, right? The Dodgers went out. We saw two veteran lefties really take advantage of an overly eager, overly aggressive young Braves offense. Mm-hmm. They go back to Atlanta last night. Acuna hits the grand slam. It's 5-0. The Dodgers battle back. Freddie Freeman, the vet, comes through uh, with the big home run late in the game. That proves to be the game winner. And Arodas Vizcaino does a little bit of an escape, uh, escape dance there to get out of the ninth. Which I will say, which was, let me say... A lot of, I mean, those were some great at-bats, too, because he wasn't, you know, there are times where it's like, oh, a guy gets in trouble, and you're like, I mean, like Walker, Walker Bueller's one inning of disaster, there was a point where he really did, it was just he couldn't find the zone. Orozco Vizcaino, there was never a point in that inning where he couldldn't find the zone, but it was nine, you know, it was a 10-pitch at-bat. For the, you know, Jock Peterson's whistle. I mean, it was foul off, foul off. No, you're not going to get a fastball by me. You're going to have to show me you can locate your breaking ball in the zone, which he couldn't really. And and then, uh, you know, uh, Max Muncy, uh, was it Muncy? No, it was, uh, 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 after that it was, it was great at-bat by Peterson, and it was Justin Turner. Then Justin Turner, you know, really good at-bats. But it did get into a uh, fascinating situation. But that's interesting because you're right. Jock Peterson had a great at-bat. Justin Turner obviously getting on base there is huge. And Max Muncy started with a great at-bat, laid off some pitches Mm -hmm. with some wicked movement on the outside, but he did swing through ball four for strike three. Then you saw Manny Machado strike out swinging. Who had the worst at-bat of those at-bats. On a wild pitch. And then Brian Dozier goes fishing for strike three as well. So the Dodgers having some serious issues with runners in scoring positions, swinging it you know, a ball for strike three and all three of those at bats. It's one of those things that has been an issue for them over the over the entire course of the season. Kind of reared its ugly head well, again in a key spot. The thing I'll say, like uh, on Muncie's, that was not, and again, I understand it nowadays. Like there was, run, you know, he was, he was trying to win the game there. He was not trying to say, okay, let me get short. He took... He took the. It is a philosophy nowadays, and I understand the philosophy. It worked out very well for them a lot of times. But that was a. I'm going to hit the ball very hard, very far, which, by the way, also has worked very well for Max Muncie all season and in the series. And that's, by the way, that's been the Dodgers' philosophy yes. as well. Team wide. But that was. I you know I'm surprised actually on the broadcast because they were you know trying to get into like the talk of the small. That was a situation where, you know, shortening up may have been also useful. Although, again, the argument can be, I'm talking on both sides of my mouth, because also shortening up there could be you hit the uh, the double play that basically means that the uh, inning is uh, no longer nearly as uh, as dangerous. See, I don't have an issue with the Muncie at bat. He got ahead, laid off some tough pitches, took a fastball in the inner half, and then this kind of just made a great pitch. Mm-hmm. Fastball, that velocity, tailing off the outside, that's a great pitch. The Machado and Dozier at-bats, though, are problematic. Those were just two poor at-bats. They were both clearly, clearly not the type of quality at-bats you want with runners in scoring position, particularly even, you know, Machado is going to be the face of it because he swung through a wild pitch. But, but the runners were in second and third after and, that. Right. I thought Dozier's at-bat in particular was really poor. And 
you know, it's not the way you want to end a game. But the good news is the Dodgers are still up. They have another shot today. And the other thing with that is that that, uh, the funny thing about that game was is that because with the exception, baseball's a crazy game, with the exception of one inning, the Dodgers felt like that they were the team. The, The Braves basically had that one inning, and then, yes, they got the Freeman homer. But... When you have a game where it turns from being 0-0 to 5 nothing in the span of what felt like about 12 seconds, which it did in that game, and then the entire rest of the game is the team up 5 nothing, just trying to hang on, which, and they did. I mean, it was hang on because it was Newcomb followed by Gossman, followed by Free, followed by two And the first three guys all failed, which I do think is the concerning thing for the Braves. Newcomb gets this big lead, walks three guys, gets yanked. Galsman comes on, gives up a couple runs. Freed comes on, hangs the curveball that Muncy hits a mile. Got, you know, sitting there and it's like, whoa, this, the bases got loaded real quick here. You know, and Tuki Toussaint got the win and did not pitch all that great. No, I, I will say that the Braves, it's encouraging. You obviously don't want to get swept. You get that first one in their home park. But it's not necessarily a win where I feel like you can look at it and say, oh, man, this is going to turn the series. As exciting as the Freeman home run was and Vizcaino getting out of it in the ninth, this was a game. There was a lot of shakiness, and I I do think that it's going to be tough for them to do this two more times. That said, I don't disagree, but that said, they did get get another game at home very quickly. And the reality of it is, is that... There, this is what this Braves team is. Like, when you when you talk about it, it's funny. Okay, so we had Newcomb start. Okay, Newcomb from the start of the season was going to be one of their guys for this year. And he had a great first half and tailed off in the second. After that 134-pitch right. outing, it was all downhill from there. Okay, so then you go past that, and then you say, okay, after that, Gossman, who does a trade acquisition, who was really good, it was kind of unusual in some ways that they're pairing the two of them up instead of, you know, but, okay, whatever. And then you're going to Freed and Toussaint, guys who, you know, are rookies who were not you, you you not you would not necessarily have said. I'm putting them in a high leverage situation in a postseason game. But again, game. they're among the best options they have, so I follow why they're doing it. Both can ramp but up again, to 98. You like that power stuff in a situation. But this is a team right now that is depending on guys. They they do not that bullpen right now has almost no one that you just say, okay, it's over. Whereas, like, you know, again, that segue into the uh, the first series, whereas the Brewers have three, four guys, who three guys especially, where you're like, no, it's over. I, again, like in that game and in that series, it was something where that Brewers bullpen, now the Rockies, it's a terrible time to have one of your worst slumps of the season. And they... Uh, if you're the Rockies, there's no part of this where you go, if we just had this. No, you have to score runs to win a series. But The Brewers have given up three runs in four games, as you count that NL Central tiebreaker. 37 innings, 17 hits. They're giving up less than a hit every two innings. It's been, when Jolie's Chassin has started, it's been great starts. Wade Miley gave him four and two-thirds a shutout baseball yesterday. <laughs> Yay, four and two-thirds, good <laughs> I know, I know. I know. Our, our, no, standard, I our standards have really I changed. I agree. This is exactly, they don't need, they, they are not, when, Wade, when they hand Wade Miley the ball, they are thinking anything beyond 15 outs is like bonus time. It has been exceptional. And look, we knew that Josh Hader was a stud. 
Jeremy Jeffress, if funny enough, because he had a little bit of the rocky outing, mm -hmm. no pun intended, was kind of the one guy this series who had a little bit of an elevated ERA out of that bullpen, but he still stood. Joaquin Soria has been excellent since coming over the trade deadline. Corbin Burns has been great since getting called up. And oh, by the way, Corey Knable's back. This is a guy who, by the way, was the traditional closer. And is he's absolutely nasty he's when he's right. He's posting hater-like numbers lately. I mean, so, again, you look at this right now. And when you can go Soria, Knable, Hader, with Jefferson Burns right there as well, it's really... You don't need, uh, yeah. again, the world we live in now, you don't necessarily need a dominant... It used to be, and when I say used to be, I'm thinking all the way back, you know, five years ago, that you would look at a team and say, if they don't have the number one and number two starter, well, there's just no way that you're going to be able to win in the playoffs because it's, it's aces... It's the top front of the rotation guys are what wins you titles. And I mean, a strong bullpen has always been a big consideration but you, in but that. But it always was the second part with that. And really, I would say if we said the prototype for this was the Royals, which lost to the true number one at the time in their first World Series so because... I'll, I'll go Madison, back. I'll go back further to the 2002 Angels when they had K-Rod, Percival, Donnelly, Weber. They were getting five innings from all their guys as well. That is true. But, but again, that, at that point, it didn't take, I would argue. You know, like, you did not, not that there was not, I mean, because, again, if you want to go, for, we can also say, like, you can even go back to the A's, but the A's, it was really, like, hand it to them in the sixth or seventh. But they still had Dave Stewart. They still had Bob Lope. They had guys in the front. But, but when I look at that Royals team, when you say, okay, depending on the year, they had more threes and fours than they had ones and twos. Um, and then you go to the Indians, who then, because of injuries, it was like, okay, really, they were kind of the prototype of, we'll bullpen our way through this like it's a Sunday uh, afternoon in a college series. And then you get to now where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, Brandon Woodruff's going to start game one of the, uh, of the division series. We'll follow him up with Corbin Burns and we'll be in great shape, which they were. They were in great shape. But, but I guess the question I would ask you that, I mean, we'll put a little, uh, the, the little uh, valediction uh, speech for the, uh, the Rockies, which was good season, very good season. And I do feel like that this is a team that there's no reason that they shouldn't be this good, if not better, next year. As you mentioned that, uh, I posted something on our site, BaseballAmerica.com. You can check it out, seeing which teams have the most homegrown players on Division Series rosters. And while it's not, you know, a guarantee of anything, it's a generally a promising indicator. The Rockies had the most homegrown players of any team in the postseason this year. 14 guys on their 25-man NLDS roster was home, were homegrown. Easily the most homegrown starting pitching rotation. I mean, it's not even close. And, and that's including the fact they didn't include John Gray, on their postseason roster. So the Rockies are in good shape. I do feel like some of what, you know, look, they've been to the postseason back-to-back -back years. They have a lot of the pieces to get back there, at least through next year, as long as they still have Nolan Arenado. One of the things that's going to be interesting to me and what they should do is I would kind of like to see them get off of, we're giving some at-bats to some veteran guys who really aren't that good anymore, but we're giving them at-bats. They have Ian a chance Desmond. this offseason. Well, they can't get out of the Ian Desmond contract, but Gerardo Parra has a team option at the end of this year. They should let that go. Carlos Gonzalez is gone after this year. They should probably let that go. Matt Holliday, who signed uh, to a, a minor league deal. Which was fine, but that was just a 
free talent on the side of the street. But you look at in the postseason yesterday, they started Parr and Holiday while David Dahl was on the bench. Which is, you know, although Dahl did have... Dahl had struggled at the end, but on the whole, especially at home, David Dahl hit really well this season. So I think for me, if the Rockies can start giving some of those at-bats to some of those young homegrown guys, Ryan McMahon, Garrett Hamps, DJ LeMay, who's leaving as a free agent, you know, McMahon, Hampson, Dahl. I mean, and we don't leave off. I know he hadn't made it up yet, but... Brendan Rodgers like, is coming. I mean, again, what what they now have, which is a good situation, is to me, going forward, you have three middle infielders for two spots because Garrett Hampson can play both, Brendan Rodgers can play both, and really Trevor Story can play both. So you have three guys, and to me, that's the you you want that especially especially. You know, Trevor Story's had some injury issues at times. I mean, and had you know, and and is a streaky guy. He's had some strikeout issues at his worst. Yes. Yeah. And so <laughs> having those three guys that gives them a better middle infield, and really also the reality is 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 and there are there are some big enough bats there that even if there is a matchup again, I know you they're probably going to keep playing Ian Desmond at first base because he's got that contract, but. Right. I mean, this is a team that has some some potential to help that, you know, again, if 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 Brennan Rodgers can produce half of a Trevor Story rookie season coming up next year, it'll help. It, it'll help. You know, and again, it's a very different player than DeJale Mayhew uh, in, in a lot of different ways. Like you're, it's, it's going to be a very different approach. It's not going to hit for the average of DJ, you know, LeMayhew, but at the same time, he's going to definitely hit for more thump, you know, all that. But but this Brewers team, to kind of wrap up on the NL, the, the Brewers Right now, again, you know, is this a team that, are they the favorite? Again, it's, it's easy because they just swept their series and we don't know who's going to come out of the other one yet. But with this bullpen, is this, I mean, versus the Dodgers or the Braves, are they to you the uh, NL favorite? You know, it's tough. You know, you mentioned they swept this series. They've won 11 straight. This goes mm-hmm. back into the regular season. And a lot of it is who's playing well at the right time. The Brewers are absolutely doing that. I still think, and I do want to get your prediction on this, I do think the Dodgers beat the Braves today. They go back to the Rich Hill veteran lefty, who I think will be able to take advantage of the Braves again. I think the Dodgers win today. Again, I picked the Dodgers before the season to win the World Series. I picked them at the start of our playoff podcast to get there. So I feel like I do need to stick with them. But I do think that if you've been underestimating the Brewers because, oh, you know, they, you know, because they're not a lot of household names. But they are, but the funny thing about it, that it, is, is it's, they have the MVP. They have, if it wasn't for Christian Yelich being the MVP, I mean, Lorenzo Cain on another team would be an MVP candidate. He's been excellent. You know, I mean, this is a team that has... A lot of good players. But, just no, not, those are, but I'll say Christian Yelich now is a star. Agreed. Even, you know, and Lorenzo Cain has had a sustained run long enough where you'd say, if he's not a star, he is the perfect like wingman to a star, like because he's been really good. And then this is an incredibly deep lineup. Well, Eric Kratz and Orlando Arce at the bottom that, take that's, away that's, from that. Hey, but... hey, wait, 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 wait. Eric Kratz had more RBIs in that series than he the Rockies. Had, he had a great he had more hits had, maybe than the Rockies. Eric Kratz did have a great series, but the additions of Mike Moustakis, we saw him have the walk-off hit. That was a big addition as well. Uh, Travis Shaw is one of the more underrated infielders in baseball, I feel like. So you're right. There's enough weapons here. Again, I probably would still pick the Dodgers, but that's based on precedent. If the Brewers at this point beat whoever they play, I don't think anyone can and should consider an upset because, hey, 
they have the most wins. They have home field. Right. This is the... This, know, this is the one seed here. Yeah. So it's weird to consider an upset. What about you? I, I do like... I mean, again, there is an advantage also... You know, you could argue, you can argue the momentum thing and all, but there is an advantage of having now. The thing with a bullpen like that is, is in the playoffs, especially if you sweep a series, they're all going to be rested. And Bingo. I know it's a seven-game series, but there are enough off days there that you can use and almost abuse those guys in the in in the uh, NLCS, and you're not going to actually wear them out. Now, for next year, it may be that you wore them out. But the reality of it is, is that everyone in that bullpen on game one is going to be again ready to go. Do you need two for me? I can give you two. And the reality of it is, is each of those guys can really kind of be counted on for two to three innings over game one and game two. And then you roll into game three and they're ready to go again. And so if you said, if you look at it, if you're the Brewers and you say, we have four Let's take Corbin Burns out and say you can expect. Let, but yeah, well, let's work Corbin Burns in. If you say between those, the the murderer's row of relievers that we talked about, plus Corbin Burns, between the first two games of that series, you can say, okay, we feel like that we have twelve innings, ten innings at least out of those guys in two games. You're not asking a lot from everyone else on that staff. The other thing is they have a lot of fresh arms. Gio Gonzalez was on the roster. He didn't pitch a single winning this series. Freddie Peralta on the roster. And Gio did get up, if I remember, I did get up in the pen one time. But I don't think, yeah. Freddie Peralta, not used at all this year. So they have some fresh arms, too, in case they do need some length, depending on how they if, want to deploy obviously them. Obviously, if you're the Brewers right now, the main thing you're rooting for is you want the Braves to win because of a couple reasons. One, it, it lengthens the series. But two... It then puts the Dodgers, again, these things don't really matter that much in the playoffs, but I, I really think they get overemphasized. But you want the Dodgers to have to decide who's throwing game five because, you know, uh, is it going to be you or is it going to be Kershaw? And if it is you, you are hoping that, that if you're the Brewers that that spreads a little discord because Clayton Kershaw's always been the guy. Again, Clayton Kershaw's not the guy who's going to storm off if that happened. He, Clayton Kershaw will say, I'm ready to go for you in game five, whatever inning you need. But it is something where, again, if you're the Brewers, you are obviously rooting for a long series. Yeah, for me, it's more about more than any of that. I think it's more about the fact that whoever wins would have to fly back to Los Angeles, then fly over to Milwaukee again. You start to get mm -hmm. some of that travel fatigue in. Again, I would pick, if, if the Braves pull it out, I'd pick the Brewers to beat them. If the Dodgers pull it out, I feel like I'd have to stick with the Dodgers, but we'll so see. We had the little siesta for the, uh, for the AL yesterday. Jump back in it today. And early. I mean, you know, we're recording this. We're, we will, we're endeavoring to get this up before game one starts because today, you know, I, so it's a... 1.30 Eastern, 10.30 yep. Pacific. Um, Astros, Indians. Just, let's get right to it. Sweep or no sweep? At this point, I think you gotta probably say sweep. I mean, again, the one game does not decide it, but it is something where, if you like the Indians in this series, you said okay, ace versus ace in game one. If you you know if you've got Corey Kluber, you feel good you can go against anybody, and it did not work out that way. And once that happened, then you say okay. The rest of this series, it's going to be tough for them to ever have, you know, uh, again, you, you were facing Garrett Cole in game two. 
and I know they did have an early lead, but the reality of it is is that they had one swing, Francisco Lindor's home run, and after that they were shut down. Mm -hmm. And at the end Which of the day, which was basically the story of yesterday's uh, Braves, you know, Dodgers game. The difference being they had two swings, and Ronald Acuna's swing came with the bases loaded. But yes. yes, I will say. So I said I'm picking the Dodgers to win today in the Braves game. You didn't make your pick on that, but no, uh, um, I think the Braves do it to a, take it to a game okay. five. I am thinking the Indians win this one today. They're back home. Mike Clevenger is on the mound. I do like that matchup as much as I respect Dallas Keuchel. I do think the Indians take this one, but at the end of the day, the Astros pull out this series. You're, you're asking a lot to say you're going to beat them three times. Exactly. And the other part of it, too, is, you know, we mentioned, again, to, to jump back real quick, that the Brewers-Rockies matchup matched up really well for the Brewers. Great pitching staff, offense that's really not very good. And while the Indians, you know, statistically, if you look over the course of the season, they finished in the top six in all three slash line categories. You drill a little deeper into that offense. It's been so top-heavy with Brantley, Ramirez, and Lindor carrying the load, and a lot of the guys below them not doing a whole lot for a lot of the year. Edwin had a poor year. He had a strong finish, so the final numbers look good over it. But it's which really just, he's, he's gotten hotter as, as Ramirez got colder. Which, you know, is nice to see, but you have that happen. And then, again, whoever they've put in center field has not been productive this year. Jan Gomes has been fine. But this is a lineup that... It's a lot of names, Yonder Alonso, Edwin Encarnacion, Jan Gomes, et cetera, et cetera, that really were not that great this year. And you roll that up against, again, the best pitching staff in baseball, the best starting staff in baseball. It's just not a good matchup. And so, again, the Indians are a very good team. They've got stars. But you're right. It was going to be hard for them to win this series to begin with, to go down 0-2. I just don't see it. As much as, again... I think they will win today, but I think by tomorrow the Astros punch their ticket to the ALCS. And, and I, I mean, again, that's, that, at this point it's just really hard to see them winning three in a row, which takes us to the series that is, is living up. I mean, again, if you're a TV executive, Yankees-Red Sox is the series you always dream of, as we know by, uh, I mean, if they're playing, they're going to be on a national primetime game. Didn't but, you miss these four-hour Yankees-Red Sox games? I will say this, though. <laughs> I will say it. For, for all that, it they're, is, they're exciting. They're it fun. Is, it is something where they're awesome crowds, they're awesome matchups, and it is something where Boston is an amazing team, 108 wins, but you, I do feel like this, this is a coin flip. I mean, again, it's 1-1, one, one, but you do look at it and you say, okay, I have, I, have, I guess, more questions with Boston the rest of the series than I do with the Yankees, partly because are you going to throw David Price back out there? Are you going to throw David Price out there? And how good do you really feel about that bullpen? There's oh, a they, they, they didn't feel good about it. They didn't feel good about it going into this series. I mean, they didn't. And now, I it's mean, like, okay, Craig Kimbrell, what else? And, okay, and Craig again, Kimbrell. Workman and Barnes each made a key pitch to get out of jams in game two, but their overall outings were not all Whereas that pretty. Whereas with this Yankees bullpen, you Lights feel out. like, again, it's like we're talking about with the Brewers, where you're saying, if you're talking about, okay, over the last three games, let's say this goes five. You have, for those three games, I would say that you feel comfortable that you have 15 of those uh, essentially Okay, there's going to be 27 innings if this goes, you know, I'd say 15 to 18 of those could be handled by the Yankees' bullpen without overtaxing guys. And that's, 
That's probably fair. I, I will say that one of the biggest things that you just feel good about where you are for the Yankees right now, Aaron Judge is healthy. There's no question about that. Three home runs and three postseason games. Gary Sanchez, if he can continue to not make defensive mistakes and look like the Gary Sanchez of 2016-2017 again, it's a whole nother dynamic yes. as well. I do think this one is going five. This was a an evenly matched series given the Red Sox struggles with the bullpen and given the Yankees' return to health. I do expect the Yankees to win tonight. I think the Red Sox take game four and we go to game five and that's where it gets really wild. It's again, it's been, you know, it's been a great series so far. And this is, I mean, again, like you said, the, the thing about it is that this is the series that it's a power oriented series. If either team is trailing by one or two and they get a runner on, you, you feel like this game could be tied in the next second because especially with this Yankees lineup, I, again, if you haven't looked at this Yankees, the production, we talk about, you know, when you look at the home runs for this team and you're looking at it, again, like my brain, which was built on baseball in the late 70s into the 80s, my brain shuts down when I look at this, when you're like, this guy has 10 home runs, this guy has 15, this guy has 20, this guy has 25, this guy has 25. See, I came up in the late 90s, so I'm so like, like, that's yeah, what this, you have to have yes, to win. Yes, you is, don't have that, you're is, not winning. Yeah, this is normal. <laughs> I mean, this is what you expect. And, you know, bench guys for them, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, 12, you know, 12 15 home runs. It, it is, it's insane. Um, but well, We saw that even in game one. You, you mentioned 5 nothing leads not being safe. Red Sox go up 5 nothing through three innings. And even then, you sit there and you say, this isn't over. And no. The Yankees came back. They got within one. Ultimately, Craig, Craig Kimbrell rebounded from the Aaron Judge home run and shut it down. Then you come out the, the next day, and the Yankees uh, start going yard. And, and it, one of the other things, too, we've talked about ad nauseum, the Yankees' offense outside of Yankee Stadium was very mediocre throughout the entire year in all three slash line categories. But you get this offense in that band box that is Yankee Stadium, and let's not kid ourselves, it's a band box they're a whole different animal. For them to go in and split in Boston, to return home where this offense really flourishes, I do like the position they're in and quite the a bit. And the other thing that they have there is, and they have a bullpen, when you're playing in a park where any fly ball can leave the yard. Especially to right field. Especially to right field. One of the best things is, is if you have a pitching staff that just doesn't let them hit the ball. And they have, again, they have a bullpen where I mean, we live in a strikeout age, but they have a bullpen that can pile up massive. And they have a starting staff, to be honest. Like, again, Tanaka, they, you know, they, they worked it out well. You, you, you know, Tanaka's going to give up a home run pretty much wherever he pitches. Tanaka, you know, I think fits better to go on the road to pitch right now than he does at Yankee Stadium. But Severino's a guy who, again, is great in the playoff series to basically say, give us a really strong five innings. Well, right now you've got Severino versus Uvalde tonight, two power, power, power arms who might not last that long. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, what, what's your over-under on, you know, on that? Like Five innings for Seve and four for Uvalde? Oh, I was going to say, I think, that's, I think if you got nine between them, you'd be like, wow, they really pitched deep. And then you get the veterans tomorrow, Sabathia and Porcello, who are kind of the opposite yes. of Severino and Uvalde at this point in their and careers. And then game five, um, again... It's going to be fun. I mean, I was going to say, game five, you, you, you go Chris Sale. Yes, it'll be definitely Sale. And then, do you go Jay Happ again after what happened in game one? You might, you might have to. I mean, 
again, I do think you're hoping that if you're the Yankees, that Sabathia gives you enough innings to basically that is almost a bullpen game. You know, and again, when you're playing for your season on the line, you can, you it can be two here, two here, two here. You know, you you figure out ways to do that. Either um, way, it'll be fun. It will be very fun. And today, especially game at one thirty, game at four thirty, game at uh, eight thirty. Look at me quoting quoting uh, Eastern Standard Time. It's, it's I was taken... going to say. Well, and the thing about it is, is they all are on the East Coast because that's why we have the one thirty because you can't start a game when they're playing on the East Coast at uh, ten o'clock at well, night. They're uh, yeah, no, they're at the uh, they're in Cleveland. Get that uh, Central Time Zone, twelve thirty local. So. It'll be fun. Well, uh, uh, hey, I, again, we, we thank you if you're a Baseball America subscriber. Uh, today's one of the days I'm especially thankful because uh, you let us do this. And it's, it's our jobs to be here working but keeping an eye on that uh, playoff game. At, uh, you know, that's work. That's, that's pretty full. Cool. So thank you again if you're a Baseball subscriber. I uh, do want to remind you what that is. It is a great time to subscribe. We are rolling out short season and rookie league top 20s uh northwest league i believe up today new york penn tomorrow and then we jump into the rookie leagues and i do think that that is a perfect kind of prep as we get ready to roll out league i mean team top 10s because when we do the international league top 20 we love doing it but when we tell you that uh, Eloy Eloy Jimenez Jimenez is, is really good, good. That's not something where you're going, ooh, wait, Eloy Jimenez can hit. Good to know. But when you get down to the AZL, the Pioneer League, and the GCL, I, you have to be the hardest hardcore of hardcore to have some insights and knowledge about the guys that we're writing reports of. You know, and our guys really dig deep on those. And so there's a lot of great information coming out that, you know, with those this week. We also have, uh, we'll have uh, more, we're going to be starting, we're really, we've already dove in, but we'll have more with the 2019 draft. Uh, we have a high school top 50 with reports coming up very soon. There's a lot of fun stuff coming up at BaseballAmerica.com. And please go ahead, if you like our podcast, go ahead and give us a rating on iTunes or whatever method you're listening on. We're podcast gonna keep, addict for me. We're going to keep rolling these out, uh, these playoff podcasts every day. We'll have a pro podcast every Friday, college podcasts. We're ramping up the podcast scene here at Baseball America, so go ahead and let us know how we're doing. For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Enjoy another day of the postseason, everybody.